everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast, and Pierre Lebrun safely at home in Toronto. I assume safe, happy, healthy. Pierre, just want I want to let's start this off. Everybody doing okay in the Lebrun household? I hope. Yeah, different times for sure, but uh, trying to obviously be good uh, citizens here and uh, self-isolating, staying home. Uh, had a big, uh, a little hockey game with my kids last night after dinner, and I'm sad to say that uh, one of my daughters and I were on a losing end against my son and my other daughter. It was uh, it was a t- close game though, five four. So uh, there you go. That was the highlight of yesterday. Regulation, or did you have to go to overtime? Uh, it was regulation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Uh, I, I, I want to circle back to this, uh, you know, just the, you know, the implications and we got lots to unpack as we, uh, this is our first podcast in the pause era mm-hmm. of the coronavirus, uh, because as you and, you and I were chatting earlier last week, we taped with Bob McKenzie and we were, you know, we were just ahead of, uh, you know, the, the, the dire situation first with the NBA and then the NHL responding. But, uh, we're going to hear from Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly right off the top here today. Um, and the news very fluid, uh, evolving sort of hour by hour as we get through this. But, uh, I think it's, uh, it's uh, great that Bill can make some time for us. And without further ado, let's bring in Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. Bill, can't imagine how busy your days are these days, uh, but let's start with the with the news of the day. Certainly, um, reports coming in overnight to that uh, what appears to be the first NHL player is tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, can you give us an update on what's going on with that and 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 what steps the league takes moving forward now that this has happened? Um. Yeah, sure. Uh, we got. I, I suppose I got a call from um, the Ottawa Senators team doctor last night. Uh, it was probably about nine o'clock last night, um, uh, indicating that a, a player had tested positive for COVID nineteen. Um, you know, from from our perspective, um, as we kind of indicated in the release when we um, hit the pause button on the season. Uh, you know, the, the virus's impact on our community was inevitable to a certain extent. So it was really just a matter of time uh, until we were going to have our first uh, player test positive. Um, uh, in terms of, of next steps uh, vis-a-vis the player and vis-a-vis those around the player, um, it's really the same uh, approach that we've taken with respect to other members of the NHL community, staff members, club staff members. Um who have tested positive uh, over over time um, in terms of what the health agencies are telling us uh, on self-quarantine and, and uh, um, preventative steps going forward and, and potentially affected uh, individuals and following up the, with those potentially affected uh, individuals. So it's, it's, you know, the fact that it's a player as opposed to a club staff member or a front office staff person um, really uh, doesn't change the approach in terms of how you have to deal with it. And Bill, how many players uh, do you think, and I don't, don't even know if you would have a hard number on this, but how many players do you think around the NHL have been tested already? In other words, either have been cleared or are, are waiting results still? I, I think it's actually a fairly small number, Pierre. Um, you know, the, the it, 
uh, advice we received from the medical professionals and actually the preferred um, method moving forward is, is you, you don't just get tested um, because you're concerned and you want to be tested. You, you get tested if you're symptomatic. So, um, you know, our, our emphasis has been on advising players that if they're symptomatic, uh, obviously they should report that right away. Um, they should uh, self-isolate. Um, and in appropriate cases, um, uh, they should get tested. And that's really what happened uh, uh, in this case. Um, a player uh, became symptomatic. Um, he uh, told uh, his team medical staff. Uh, his team medical staff um, uh, recommended a test. Um, the player took the test, and the test was positive. So that's, uh, that's really the approach uh, that everyone really should be following. Bill, you you mentioned team officials. Uh, have you had other positive tests, and whether it's coaching staff or uh, administrative staff, or you know, there's and people maybe sometimes forget that it's it's not just the players; it's a whole mechanism that's involved with NHL teams, the NHL offices. Uh, I'll even sort of broaden it on ice officials. Have you had other positive tests outside? the the player that tested positive last night? Yeah, all, all the tests that we've had uh, within the NHL community have been publicly disclosed. Um, uh, uh, press releases, I, I think there was a uh, Vancouver employee who recently tested positive. There was a San Jose uh, arena uh, um, worker uh, who tested positive. Uh, obviously, we had the situation in Buffalo um, where a uh, employees, family member tested positive. These have all been uh, disclosed uh, by the clubs and appropriate steps have been taken. So this is just really, as I said, um, you know, the fact that it's a player um, obviously is much higher profile, um, but it's the same approach. Bill, I know these, these have been crazy days, uh, you know, for both the league and the players association really since probably since last Wednesday night when the NBA uh, postponed its season as a lot of us keep saying, it seems like a story that keeps changing by the hour. Um, and even from, you know, the guidelines that uh, that you guys sent out last Friday for players to the adjustments on Monday morning in terms of the different travel conditions and the players, you know, could go home. It's just been a lot, right? It's just been moving and moving and moving. Do you sense now that uh, as much as, you know, the story keeps changing that you've hit a bit more of a, uh, I don't want to say a quieter phase, but at least now that you're bunkering down and just you know waiting to see over the next couple of weeks what happens with the you know with the with the COVID nineteen threat here. I mean, like settling into a routine. Well, I don't know about a routine, but at least you know <laughs> there is some waiting now, right? I mean, you can't. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I uh, no, I totally understand the question, and I'm hoping you're right. Um, right. I haven't seen that yet. Um, I, uh, as, uh, as Scott led off with, I mean, it's been, uh, it's been busy every day, uh, with respect to the developments, trying to stay on top of the developments, trying to make sure, um, we're in communication with the clubs on a, on a constant basis. Um, and that's not just on the hockey side. That's uh, obviously also on the business side. There are a lot of business decisions the clubs are making every day, uh, vis-a-vis, uh, this pause. Um, and we have to be there to um, facilitate that and be helpful uh, to the greatest extent we can be. 
uh, even though on that end of it, the, you know, the, the clubs are really in a, in a different business than, than the league office is per, you know, so, so we can only kind of facilitate best practices and make sure all the clubs know what's going on around the league and in other sports. So, uh, that's certainly a, a, a function that we serve. Bill, you mentioned uh, routine uh, as much as there can be one. Uh, this is way different than when we've had stoppages uh, in, because of labor issues and that where the league is sort of in some ways in a kind of a vacuum. But you mentioned other sports. You mentioned medical officials. How closely are you in contact with the other leagues, with medical officials, and maybe can you describe what that relationship is like? Because uh, my sense of it is, at some point when when we hope to get back to the game, that that you're going to take your cues from those medical officials. And I wonder what that relationship is like, and how often you're in contact, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I would say frequently. Obviously, we have a full time chief medical director. Uh, Winna Mawissa, who's been with us and, and has con- been consulting with us for many years. Uh, the Players Association has John Rizzos, uh, its chief medical consultant. Uh, we obviously have the expertise of our Joint Health and Medical uh, Committee. Um, and uh, obviously, we look for um, uh, interaction with the CDC and Health Canada. Uh, as the agencies in charge, we do have an infectious disease uh, expert um, who uh, who we have uh, retained to help us through this. Um, we had a conference call um, with uh, with them yesterday. So, um, you know, obviously the medical side of this is very very important. Um, trying to understand it the best we can. Um, it's you know evolving quickly. Um, there, you know, is certainly some information out there. Um, but I think, you know, as, as with any, uh, medical type issue, you know, there are different views, um, and different reads of the science, uh, on some issues. So you, you have to take that, um, into account when you're making decisions. Um, but yeah, that the medical information is very important, if not the most important part. Uh, of the mix uh, when we're making decisions. And Bill, before we move on to secondary issues really quickly, uh, and of course, by the time our podcast is published, this might get dated in a hurry, but should we expect any other announcements about a positive test today, as far as you can tell, or or uh, what's your your sense of it? I mean, if the, if the question is, do I have any more information than I haven't disclosed, the answer is no. <laughs> okay. Um, do, could there be a more positive test today? Certainly. I, I, right. I can't. I'm not. A, I'm, I'm not uh, I don't have a crystal ball on that. Right. Yeah. So let's, secondary issues. Uh, and again, I use the word secondary a lot because it certainly pales in comparison to what we're all facing in real life. But, but the business does go on. And, um, and I'm just wondering now again and this has changed day by day but your sense of uh you know the hope of still having a season this year and what that timeline continues to shift and look like where would you say that's at right now um look i i you know i i uh i appreciate the the fact that everybody's curious and everybody's really interested and i think that's a good thing in terms of you know what um a resumption of play might look like um, but I'd caution everybody that we're literally um, now six days into the pause. Um, we don't know um, how long um, 
we're going to be in pause and what the world's going to look like mm-hmm. uh, over the next couple of days, uh, hours, weeks. Um, pick pick your time increment. Um, we don't know uh, when we would be able to come back, uh, if we can come back for this season. Um, I think the only certainty we have is that whatever decisions we make with respect to a resumption of play this season obviously have to be consistent uh, with the advice we're getting from the medical professionals. Because um, that, to your po- to both of your points, that, that's first and foremost, people's health and safety uh, has to be our primary concern. Um, that's not only our players, but that's our fans and, and that's uh, uh, people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not even necessarily associated with our game in any meaningful way. Uh, so we have to do our part, uh, societally to, to, to make sure we're doing the right things and making the right decisions. But the only definite for us is, is we certainly don't want to do anything, uh, around a resumption of play this season that will impact our ability to have a full season next year. Um, um, okay. so that, that, that's kind of the outside parameters, uh, and, uh, rules we're following currently. A- everything else is kind of up for grabs for lack of a better term. I mean, there are lots of possibilities. We've, we, uh, we do have people working internally on those scenarios and what they look like and what the feasibility is. Uh, there are a lot of complications, uh, associated with that. Obviously we have network, uh, partner. Uh, obligations mm-hmm. that we have to take into account and then we have to work with, um, you know, we have to work through with the players association, what the, you know, critical date calendar looks like. Uh, we, we need to work with our clubs and buildings on building availabilities. Um, uh, you know, we have to consider whether, um, a resumption of play, uh, is, um, you know, to, to a building that's open to the public versus, um, perhaps a resumption of play that doesn't involve a building that's open to the public. So, so these are all uh, relevant considerations, none of which, uh, and variables, none of which you, you can really uh, align at this point uh, behind a, a specific plan. So um, it, like the situation generally, is very fluid. Right. And if I can follow up Scotty's story, just because it's on the same vein and and because I wrote about this yesterday, Bill, but and I know there's a million different modeling ideas that you guys are coming up with and that are being thrown at you. I, I happen to write about one yesterday uh, that uh, a governor shared with me. And again, I know it's spitballing, but the idea of, of pushing it all the way back to August, September playoffs, um, which I think a lot of my readers were taken aback, <laughs> taken aback to, but, but I, you know, there may be a time where who knows what your options are, right? I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I mean, again, because we don't know where this crisis is going. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, look, I, that's why I said I don't think I, I'm ruling anything out other than, um, you know, we're going to make decisions that try to preserve uh, our ability to have a full season next year. Right. Bill, if I can just follow up and and close maybe with this question when you get to that point where you have you have to make those decisions on a what a playoff might look like later this summer or what you're thinking about in terms of critical dates moving into next season is it as simple as uh, your you know the top executives with the league sitting down with the top 
executives with the PA and, and making those kinds of calls? Or do you imagine at some point that it'll be a broader and I, you know, like a competition committee type group where you're going to seek input from a wide variety of people within the game. Uh, who knows, maybe you're calling Pierre as well, because he always has lots of ideas <laughs> on dates and stuff. But do, how do you imagine these final decisions coming together, given that we are really in uncharted territory in terms of how the league deals with something like this and then moves out of it when that time comes? Well, I think the cult consultive process that you're talking about with the clubs, with the managers, with the owners, I, I think that's going to be going on almost on a constant basis. Um, we have we have invited um, their ideas on this so that we have the best uh, possible ideas um, to take into consideration. Um, but ultimately, when it comes time to actually having to make a decision and implement a decision, um, I don't know what our time frame is going to be, so I don't know exactly what process uh, we can follow. Obviously, we're going to have to have buy-in from the players uh, and the Players Association. Um, uh, but as with anything else, including you know the, the draft lottery we adopted for you know coming out of the 2004-2005 work stoppage, not everybody was happy with that model, mm -hmm. as you might imagine. So whatever we come up with, ultimately... Um, we're going to try to come up with a, a, some type of um, process that's fair, uh, that has integrity, um, and you know we'll we'll make the difficult decisions to implement, even if it doesn't uh, satisfy everybody, because that's the nature of kind of what our obligations are. Cool. All right. Great. Thanks for your time, Bill. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. Yep. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Thanks for uh, for dropping by. All right, Pierre. First impressions of our conversation with Bill Daly. I, I'm wondering what you take away from that. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's the same feeling I had uh, last week when I did the Q and A with him right after the pause. I always want to ask about twelve other questions, and I, we just don't <laughs> have, we can't monopolize his time that way. Uh, you know, it's one of the reasons I wrote that piece last Friday, like I did, Scott. I don't know if you read it, but. I referred to the to the time that I spent a whole day in his office <laughs> and uh, wrote a piece. It was the first piece I actually ever wrote for The Athletic. And uh, it's just crazy to live through a day in that guy's office. Like, he's got two screens going. He's got his phone going. He's got his landline going. Uh, multitasking is at a whole other level. And he's in on everything. He, there are things you where you think, well, I wonder why he needed to sign off on that or be involved in that. He's he's in on every single facet of the NHL operation. So you can just imagine what this time has been like uh, since really since last Wednesday night when the NBA canceled. I mean, it was getting busy before that for him, but it, it, I mean, I can just imagine that it's been sixteen to seventeen hour days for him ever since. And so, yeah, we're lucky we had him on here today, and um, and I think. The key takeaway for me, uh, well, there's two. One is that, and I'm not trying to make light of this, uh, we had our first positive test with the Ottawa Senators last night, but they they saw this coming. I mean, it, it, if yeah. anything, and Bill didn't say this, but I'm, I bet you he was probably surprised it took until last night to have their first test, given the crossover and the overlap with the, with the NBA. Um, so there'll be more. Uh, you know, I think it's what's going to happen with the NHL players will reflect what's happening in large part with society right now, right? Yep. So, you know, people shouldn't panic. It's, it's you know, the testing is going to start catching up and and we'll have more positive tests. 
But I think the the bigger takeaway for me as far as the the future of the season here is that he repeated himself twice, uh, Scotty, if you noticed, in saying that the number one factor for the league right now is that they want a full season next year. And so whatever modeling that you're in favor of, and of course I wrote about this August-September idea that a governor shared with me yesterday, but... Um, which is still possible to have a full season after that, by the way. You just start November and go later that year too, right? But my point is, the any idea of shortening the regular season next year to make room for this year's season doesn't seem to be at play here. That that next year has to be 82 games and a full playoff. So that's that's a big takeaway for me. Yeah, I, I was a bit surprised by that because, you know, and, and, and Bill did say, you know, listen, we're, you know, we're open to listening or discussing anything because things are so fluid and so unknown at this point in terms of when we might see a flattening of the spread of the coronavirus, uh, you know, globally, of course, but certainly in North America where the NHL games are played. But uh, yes, the fact that he was very adamant about that. So, so, and I was, I was surprised because, um, well, it just shows you how important that, having that full slate uh, is to the league and sponsors and broadcasters. And so, but I think that's healthy to know moving forward, right? Like, so you're, let's, let's talk about the plan that has been, you know, spitballed uh, at this early stage that might see the NHL push everything back um, late in the summer and have some for well whatever it is whether some players have suggested that they'd like to see some regular season games or some games before the start of some sort of playoff grid but whatever happens it can't it it can't chip away at next season so i I was curious though because your story was so interesting because i think a lot of us have been imagining well if things get better by you know middle of June or end of June that, you know, then thing, you know, then we can start uh, talking about what might happen with the NHL, but this goes even further than that. And you, and both you and Frank Cervalli, our good pal and your colleague at TSM have heard from both sides of the fence, right? From the Mm -hmm. management slash ownership side and the player side that this is something that they would consider. What, what do you like about that? Well, and and to be clear, because I think Frank was very clear about this, like Mm. this wasn't an NHLPA position or an NHL proposal. It's just, you know, Frank obviously heard from a couple of players and a couple of players spitballing, but they are, you know, I don't know who they are, but they must be, you know, high profile from what we hear. And so that's good. It's good to hear players, I think, taking ownership and thinking about the future, right? Um, so sure. I think that was really the point of our reporting yesterday on all this is that, you know, here's yet another idea. And the reason I like this idea, as it was positioned to me by the governor I spoke with, is that I, I just think his concern, and it really hits home when you hear him make this argument, is that if, if the league comes back in May or June and there's a positive test, like, I mean, you're shut down again, are you not? Right. I, I mean, well, then I, you're I, shut down for good. Yeah. I so, yeah. I think for the season, you know, I know a lot of the readers uh, who were commenting underneath my story last night and this morning. And listen, I, I love the interaction, but a lot of them just were taken aback by the idea of an August September playoffs. You know, they were just saying just cancel the season at that point. Well, that's easy to say, but you know, the players and the owners have a business to run, and so if they could somehow get their playoffs in and still have a full regular season next year, even if it starts in November, then, you know, why not? Um, 
But again, it, it may very well be that given where this health crisis goes, that there will be no other choice but to actually just give up the hope and shut things down until next season. That I mean, that may very well be part of this as well. We'll, we'll, we'll see. And you can hear in Bill Daly's voice today as he joined us, Scott, there is no hidden, <laughs> like, there's no hidden knowledge here, right? I mean, right. the league yeah. is reacting day to day, hour by hour, just like we are to this whole thing. And because of that, they can't marry themselves to one specific uh, idea in terms of a playoff format or a timeline because they just can't right now. They just can't. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know if, if you felt this way, but I, I I was saying, you know, here at home that when, when the league hit the pause button, it, it felt a little bit like to me, like, you know, when we listened to Gary Bettman finally put the nail in the, 0405 season and even though there were attempts even after that to revive that season um it, yes. it, you know there is that sort of feeling of uncertainty and, and and emptiness or whatever but to me what's really you know this this is com- this is a different world and the fact that everyone wants everyone wants this to be help you know health is first and foremost that's paramount you know the league's not doing anything without you know getting the all clear from the cdc here and health canada and want you know with aware of what's going on around the world so it's you know like that's a you know that's a that's an obvious thing but both the players and the league want what's best for the game they want to play they want to have playoffs they want um you know like i think there will be a common goal and i think that's you know, that's a healthy thing. It's like you say, it's good to have players who are engaged and thinking ahead to, well, how could mm-hmm. we save this, uh, salvage a playoff? What would it look like? Um, so I think that's a healthy thing. I wonder, like, what did you, did you like the idea? See here, you know, did you like the idea of having some regular season games and then playing some sort of playoff grade or what, what's your take on that? I, Cause I think it's, yeah, Hey, it's, it's, I think it's, it, it's heartening to think about these things because it, you know, we that would mean better days ahead. No, I I think you got to forget about the regular season. That's where I disagree with that. And it's funny because that was the one nuance between the governor I spoke with and what some of the players shared with Frank is that yeah, it seems like this some of these players are spitballing. You know, let's have some regular season games for two reasons: one, maybe to even up some of the games played in the races, but also to give the players. A chance to catch up physically, uh, uh, you know, before entering the crazy playoffs. I get that. Sounds great. But, uh, you know, as it was actually a GM who, you know, when I shared this idea with him yesterday, who said to me, you know what? How can we ask players who maybe by then will not have played for what? uh, I don't know, 12 weeks, whatever the number is, come back and play three regular season games and then pack it up again? Yeah. Like it doesn't really. Uh, so I think if you're going to be really practical about trying to save the season in this scenario, I think you go right to your 16. I mean, I, you just you just go, and it's not ideal. And you know, the, we see the first night of the playoffs is, is spectacular every year because the level of intensity and physicality is through the roof. But you know, I you know, unless there's a preseason games, then that's a different matter. Preseason games between playoff teams. But at the end of the day, I, I, I'm with this GM I spoke to yesterday who said you, you probably just have to go right right to the meat of it, especially from a yeah. timeline perspective in terms of the calendar you're working with. Right. See, I, see I'm 
I'm with you. I, I see zero way that you can come back and play regular season games in just the logistics because teams, you know, there's such a, you know, disparity. And even though it might be only two or three games, but, you know, how do you bring teams to some sort of level water to then Mm -hmm. determine a playoff grid? Uh, To me, you just, you got to go right back to uh, winning percentage. And I, I think though, you have to expand the playoff grid on some level. And I, I talked to a team president who, who, who was again, spitballing given, you know, the unknown uh, element of the timeline. But what if you were 12 teams in the playoffs per conference instead of eight? And I've seen various permutations of that. And I, I you know, you and I talked about this and might've been last week. In fact, you know, the different possibilities for a playoff format moving forward irrespective of the coronavirus but some sort of play in one game play in maybe between 11 and 12 in each conference and then working back two out of three uh for those uh you know the the other teams to you get to your top eight um like i know it doesn't solve the problem of your best teams will have a considerable amount of rust but mm-hmm. um the other side of it is, you know, we we often talk about how worn down teams are by the time the playoffs start. Well, if we have playoffs this year, that certainly won't be an issue. So I that's, that's well, my and uh, and again, depending on how much time the league has to play with, you know, I know there there are GMs and governors that have sent ideas because, as Bill said to us today, that the league has has elicited ideas. They want people to come to them with ideas, and there are ideas that have been thrown at them. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, 20 teams are alive when we come back. 22 teams, 24 teams. Uh, I heard from someone who felt 31 teams should be alive, which, I, which I'm going to put a big did, X on did, that one right was there. Was that from someone from Detroit? Uh, no, it was know. not. It was not actually, <laughs> you know, I got to be careful. I'm always about yeah, protecting my sources, but it was actually from a team that wouldn't even have to worry. But I, I think everyone's trying to think how can the league uh, maximize uh, – you know, sort of a buzz effect when it does come back, you know, so a big splash. Because one thing to consider here, regardless of whether it's hockey again this year or not, and I have to tell you, I hate to be captain negative, but I, I'm more and more thinking there won't be hockey. But anyway, I hope I'm wrong. Um, that the league is going to compete with other sports eventually. Everyone's going to almost come back at the same time, it sounds like, <laughs> at yeah. some point, right? I mean, you got major golf and tennis events uh, postponed until the fall and you know, let's see what the NBA does. And um, so it, it's going to be, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty crowded sports calendar when and if uh, sports do resume. And boy, we can't wait for that day to happen. But that's going to be an unavoidable hurdle for the NHL, which has uh, always been sensitive to that. Right, Scotty? I mean, let's be, to be honest here. It's always been sensitive about not going up against this or that. It's why a lot of NHL owners, especially uh, in the U.S., in some non-traditional markets, don't like to have a lot of games in October when the season starts normally, right? They, that's yeah. usually their lightest month, and they don't want to go against baseball playoffs and NFL and, and college, college sports, football. So yeah. it, in this particular case, and boy, I can't wait for any of this to actually be true, but when the NHL does resume, there will be that. Although the funny thing is if, if we are talking about summer hockey, maybe that's not such a bad window. Who knows? 
Well, see, I'm with you. I, I mean, I'm I'm with you on this this notion of, uh, you know, the un, you know, not knowing and how it would all unfold if all those, you know, we were talking Kentucky Derby, we're talking Masters, we're talking, you know, I, I we were sort of joking in social media, you could have Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final, Kentucky Derby, and the Masters all on the same weekend or whatever. But and I, but I do, I, you know, and I don't think you're negative. I think you're generally speaking a positive person. I, I think the opposite though. I think that, you know, yeah, I mean, barring some sort of unforeseen. Uh, pattern with this virus, which is entirely possible, where where it's we're not out of it until November, December, right? So if that happens, of course, then you, then you, then you're euchred. But if we do get to a point that late in this summer or in the summer sometime, I think it's important that this league does everything within its power to get some sort of playoff grid in to award a Stanley Cup and, and move forward from there. And I think it's important not just for the league's health and all those kinds of things, but I think it's important for for the hockey community, just as it was important mm-hmm. after 9-11 for sports to come back and, and become a rallying point for communities and for people to, you know, to share that love of a, a particular sport and a particular team. I think this is that kind of thing, and I think it's important – if it's at all possible, I think it's really important that the NHL comes back in some form, awards a Stanley Cup, and there is a celebration of this season, and, and maybe even more important, a celebration of being able to come back and, and have the game. That's that's my thought on it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why, again, that's why, you know, people may think this particular governor is out of his mind, but, you know, the August-September playoff idea, again, if, if you know, if the health crisis by then has opened up a window for this. Who knows again? Uh, yeah, of course. But, but if the August, September playoffs leads to an October off season, that's, I think his point is that you still get to find some, you know, award a Stanley cup and, and still have a full season next year. And, and so as crazy as it sounds, and, and I know that when fans first heard about it yesterday, they were turned off for the most part. I get it. I mean, there are a lot of people who still have their hearts and minds on coming back and having a May-June playoff. And who knows? Maybe that may happen. But I, I, with every hour of this story developing, I just, I can't imagine May hockey at this point. I, it's just me, yeah, but no, I just no. don't see it. You know, it, it's interesting. It came up and I did a online chat yesterday and uh, it, it, I haven't even really thought about it over the years. But someone asked if, you know, again, if there was some sort of, modified playoff grid which i think is i think is inevitable um you know would it somehow tarnish the end result and um no to me unless you have some sort of system where somehow detroit ends up winning the cup uh, like i i just don't think that that's an issue and i go back to you know the lockout that you know, cost the the first half of the 12-13 season. The NHL teams played 48 games in 2013. Mm-hmm. And Chicago beat Boston in, for me, a, you know, an absolutely memorable final. And, of course, game six, one of the most dramatic endings to a Stanley Cup deciding game that I've ever been involved in. And I never hear, I, I never hear anyone say, you know, add a caveat to that 
Chicago no. win. Also, right? like I never the, best, hear team, say, the oh, best team in hockey happened to win the cup yeah. that year too. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I I don't worry about that. Right, like I I think you always you want to worry. Yeah, you want to consider the integrity of the game, and because the Stanley Cup is so important, you want to make sure that that the tournament that leads to that winner is. You know, you can't question its integrity. And I, I just, I, I go back to that 13 playoff run. No one raises that asterisk, right? Mm-hmm. Because that was, a good that point. was a heart, was terrific. So, yeah, it's a good point. And, and listen, at the end of the day, whether they come back with 16 teams or whether they have an expanded field to play into the 16 team playoffs, the reason I don't mind coming back to the 16 teams, now you're going to have to obviously do it on points percentage. I think there's no other fair way to do it. In fact, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League just gave the league a bit of a precedent, right? The Quebec Major Junior Hockey League yesterday uh, canceled the rest of the regular season but left the door open for the playoffs but said that the right. teams that made it were based on the points percentage leaders in their regular season standings and cited a, a bylaw in their rules. Um, so I don't think it's as clear as that with the NHL, but I'm just saying it. to me that's the only level of fairness is to go by points percentage. Um but the reason I have no problem going right to the 16 teams if and when the NHL has a chance to of resumption this year is that 85% of the regular season has been played. That's not 50%. It's not 40%. It's 85%. I mean, you know, most of the regular season has been played. I mean, the teams that are there are, deserve to be where they are. Now, I know that it's extremely close at the bottom end and it'd be heartbreaking for a couple of those teams around the bubble, but... You have to draw the line somewhere. I think, you know, one last observation from something that Bill Daly said, which may prove as a hint, I think, is he said that when they came back out of the 0405 lockout and basically had to make up the rules on the draft lottery, right? Which yep. was handing someone Sidney Crosby. They came up with a formula and it didn't please everyone. But they had to come up with one. I mean, they, the bottom line is the business goes on. And, and so they... They did a lot of self-reflection. They talked to a lot of people and came up with what they felt was fair. And, you know, a lot of teams were fine with it, but other teams weren't. This is what's going to happen here. And and this will be the uncomfortable spot for Gary Bettman and Bill Daly because, you know, if you remember realignment, uh, the you know, years ago when Columbus and Detroit moved east, right, Scotty? Yeah, um, I do. That was not a great time for Gary Bettman. He doesn't, it's not enjoyable for him to be in the crosshairs of his owners. And that particular realignment was uh, became heated. You know, it, it did not please everyone. And uh, I, I, you know, you would hope that NHL owners and governors and GMs in this particular case, given the life-changing climate that we're in right now and the crisis that we're facing in real life, would be able to swallow hard and say, I, you know what? I understand this isn't what I wanted in terms of the playoff format or in terms of the draft lottery, but I get it. I mean, I would hope that would be the emotion that wins the day at the end of all this. Yeah. Well, and you know, again, we, we talk about the, the intrinsic value of having a playoff and, and awarding a Stanley cup, but there are all kinds of things. And like, if you, if this season is lost, if we don't go back to it, that whole 0405 lockout uh, model is is going to you know come very firmly into focus because as you and I were chatting before we started to tape, I mean now the league is in this whole position. Okay, what do you do 
with the draft. What do you do with the many conditional draft picks um, that were involved in trades, mostly around the trade deadline, of course? But, you know, so there there becomes this huge ripple effect of if we don't have hockey, how do you do the draft? Is everyone involved uh, as they're you know, as was the case heading into the uh, Sidney Crosby draft, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes, yeah, it, it, it just, <laughs> it, it becomes a whole other set of uh, very difficult decisions for uh, league executives, for the owners to get behind the uh, you know, level of involvement from the players association, all that kind of stuff. It, um, yeah, it's lots to, there will be lots to unpack if we, if we don't have hockey again this season. Yeah, well, let's hold out that little bit of hope um, and keep spitballing ideas. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I, you know, that's I would. I asked Bill that question because I wondered if, you know, at some point when, you know, if the door does open, and all of a sudden you're getting positive signals from CDC and World Health Organization mm-hmm. and Health Canada, you can start to get those positive signals. That you know what kind of. Like I think they should call you. You always have lots of great ideas on dates, and you know that most of them have been ignored. But maybe there is a you know like I just like almost like the remember the hockey summit, which uh, that uh, you know Brendan Shanahan's hockey summit. I just the whole notion of you know taking opportunities to really not just look at what's ten feet in front of you, but to to you know really look closely at the game and how it gets played and all the issues there Mm -hmm. i mean maybe there are some moments ahead where we can you know take a closer look at the game so but you know i'm a a glass half full guy so and you know whether there's hockey or not there's going to be if there's not hockey there's going to be so many fascinating decisions as you just said you know this seems like a nerdy thing to point out but i love this stuff i mean you know, there's about half a dozen first-round picks right now that have conditions attached to them because they've been traded, and but the the playoff performance of the team, or or if a team ends up not making the playoffs and it ends up in a lottery pick, there's all these conditions attached to a lot of these first-round picks right now that will need resolution one way or the other. And so that's that's fascinating to me is how the league eventually gets to that. And I know they haven't even looked at that yet. It's it's so you know, lower down the food chain, but these are all things that are going to have to be figured out and in timely fashion eventually. So we'll, we'll look for that. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I think this has been a, uh, it's great to catch up with you. And I, so I want to ask you, you've been working from home and uh, I, you know, your work at TSN now you're doing that remotely from your office. Mm-hmm. I trust that in those shots. So you are, you're wearing pants, right? Like just, <laughs> I want to know just you're, for my own he, peace of mind. You're like the fifth person to ask me if I was wearing pants yesterday when I did that insider trading. Like, what is wrong with people? Yes, I was wearing be- pants. There are Do other people in my house, okay? <laughs> Do you think that's a, a general question about broadcasters who broadcast from home, or is that be- because people know you? I'm just asking. Well, I don't even want to think of Yeah, good question. <laughs> anyway pal it's always good to catch up with you listen i hope that in your backyard hockey tournament as you move forward listen <clears throat> you got to put loss the last night's loss behind you think ahead right don't let you you gotta don't leave it in the kitchen bring it all to the backyard all right i'm, I'm confident that by the time we chat next week you will be back on the on the winner side um and i we, have, we wish you luck with that part of it 
I'm excited for game two tonight. I'll, I'll let you know how the series goes. <laughs> uh, right, I'm looking bye. forward to it. Good, good work.